How do you move learners from apathetic to authentic? How do you move them from being passive where they can't find their pencil and they don't ask for a pencil to being totally engaged in doing work on their own, not calling it homework, like making things happen? We find that it's project-based learning. How do you get your staff engaged? How do you make sure that they stay? How do you, that teacher retention question that we're all trying to answer? Having an awesome job tends to keep people to stay. Now, there's a lot that goes into that. But if you get to teach the way you've always wanted to teach, that will keep somebody there. Like we see that again and again. You need to create the culture. You need to present the vision. And we find that in project-based learning. We heard 20-year teachers, veterans that say, how have I not known about this? Why haven't I been teaching this way my whole life? Welcome to the PBL Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stoyer, author of the book PBL Simplified not watered down. Like what we've done with Magnify Learning over the last decade is we've taken the complexity of, of project-based learning, we've taken that work that the innovators have done, and we've put structures in place, group contracts, planning forms, ideas, steps, so that everyone can do project-based learning. And what we didn't do is we didn't create scenario projects where you can buy curriculum and then just have everybody go do this. You can't buy our stuff on Teachers Pay Teachers. That's not the work that we do. We do skills-based training. Same thing on the podcast. I'm not giving you the prescription that you have to do. In a PBL showcase, we're descriptive. We're going to describe the great thing that's happening in a PBL unit. That's the second Wednesday. Actually, we're adding more of those because your feedback said you wanted more showcases. But it's descriptive. Then you pull the ideas out and you figure out how they work at your school. It's not prescriptive because I don't know what works best at your school district. You do. You and your staff are the closest to your learners, closest to your community. You know it's going to land. So we train you to become curriculum creators. You create experiences. You connect to your community partners. And we're there to help you walk through that. We've got tools. We've got protocols. We've got trainings. That's what we do. But no, I don't have curriculum for you. No, I don't have a whole list of PBL unit ideas that you can take and implement. We used to. We had a giant database of them, but we found that people would come take them and then try to implement them like it was magic. And what it did is it created bad PBL. So we scrapped the whole thing. We got rid of the whole database of a bunch of really great PBL units. Because if it's based on a, a bank CEO that's a great community partner in a rural town in western Missouri, and you're in a completely different setting and you don't have a CEO and you're over in Massachusetts, like it doesn't work. Like you have to have the skills to see the opportunities to bring your standards together so that your learners are engaged and amazing things happen. That's how project-based learning should work. That's what we believe at Magnify Learning and on this podcast. So that's what we talk about. So we've got to build your leadership skills as a visionary leader. We want to help you build your vision, take it off the page, bring it into your school and watch amazing things happen. So today is a PBL leadership guest episode. So I bring on guests from business, education, or sports so that you can up your leadership game because it's your game. If you're a visionary leader, when you get better, everybody gets better. You have to invest in yourself. And that's part of the message from our guest today. Today, we have Andre Thomas on the podcast. He works with schools. He works with leaders that are kind of new leaders, like one to four years, whether it's a principal, assistant principal, or superintendent our assistant superintendent, like that's his niche. And you'll hear his story, you'll hear his why right away because we talk about the why for education on this podcast. I think it's really important. And Andre's going to give you some tips, some tools for how to survive that one to four year time as 
a principle because it it determines what the five to ten is going to look like. So if if you haven't done that well and you're in year seven and you're working too much on the weekends and you're burning out and there's no self-care, you're not sure what to do with your vision, you need this one too. And it's a good episode. I hope you enjoy it. All right, visionary leaders, you are in the right spot. If you are looking for inspiration, looking for tools, uh, looking to meet the right guest, this is the PBL Simplified Podcast, and that's what we do here. If you're a managing leader and you're just trying to get through the day with as little conflict as possible, you're probably in the wrong spot, actually. Uh, There's probably some other podcasts you should go hit. Uh, Because today uh, we've got Andre Thomas with us, and we are going to be talking about uh, leadership. Uh, so he's got a company called Truevine Consulting, 20 years of experience in education. Uh, he talks with leaders. He coaches leaders. This is what he does. That's where his passion is. Andre, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Ryan. I'm really excited to be here on the show. Yeah. So the you, you get the first question. Everybody gets the same question. And we just want to make sure that you're fired up and that you're being driven by your why, right? Not your how and your what. We always start with the why. So what's your why for the work that you do with leaders? Well, I'll tell you that best by sharing a little bit of a story is uh, back when I was a first year principal, um, I worked with um, my my direct supervisor, who was a district district leader at the time. And every every quarter uh, we would meet to go over my vision, my vision casting for the year, my goals for the year. And we would meet for about three hours uh, a piece. Um, she would write my reviews. Um, you know, uh, all that stuff was done in those quarterly meetings. And so um, the meetings went very well, positive reviews, all of that. But at the end of every meeting, she would always ask me, what can I do for you? Um, And with me being first year principal at the time, untenured, um, I didn't want to seem like I was needy or had a a ton of things going on, a ton of questions because, you know, you're nervous, you know, you you don't want to, you know, have the bad report or or seem like you just, you know, can't handle things as a leader. So I always tell her, I'm fine. Everything's going well. Thanks for asking all of that. Um, fast forward, you know, probably going towards our, our last meeting for the year. Um, I had been dealing with some issues in the bu- my building that I was addressing as a principal. And everybody had, um, right? Yes. And, and things were going well. I, I was handling it on top of everything. But in that last meeting, she caught me at a point where I was very vulnerable. And she asked me again, um, do you need anything? Is everything all right? You know, what can I help you with? And for that moment, I paused and I thought about it. I was like, you know what? She's been asking me this consistently for the last three times. Let me just kind of just let her know what's been going on, confirm to her that everything's okay. I'm handling it as a leader, but just so she's in the know. So I opened my heart to her because um, I felt at the time that this was just a trusting individual and this conversation was just between her and I. And I shared, I shared what was going on in my building, how I addressed it, um, how, how it made me feel, all of that, just sharing my heart. And I actually felt a little better afterwards. So I was like, I finally got it out. You know, someone other than my wife knows what's going on, <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure. And yeah. And so, um, I got it out and she was like, okay, thank you for sharing. She gave me a few tidbits and I, pre- I told her, hey, I appreciate that. And I moved on. We moved on. Um, fast forward. Three or four months later, at the end of the year, I get this mysterious email um, from her, and it says, hey, um, let's meet on Monday. This is a Thursday when I got the email, 
let's meet on Monday um, in the HR conference room. Um, you can bring your union rep if you'd like. Now, when you hear HR conference room, union rep, automatically your antennas go off, like what's going on, right. you know? So I immediately emailed her back to ask her, you know, um, can you fill me in? What's going on? Did something happen? Um, her response to me was, oh no, everything's okay. Just want to have a talk with you. Everything's good. No worries. So I'm like, well, I am worried. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, you said HR conference room and, and union rep in the same sentence. Right. You know, I'm, I'm very worried. So it led me to reaching out to my secretary to ask her, you know, am I getting grieved? You know, what's going on? She had no clue. So I go through the whole weekend just trying to pick my brain on what's going on, you know? Yeah. So finally, Monday rolls around. I arrived to the meeting with my uh, my union president. We're in this large conference room. I've got, you know, my, my union rep and myself on one side of the table. Other side is my supervisor with uh, the HR director and the district attorney, you know? Mm. And um, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So the meeting was basically um, her opportunity to kind of go through her notes and share her concerns with the things that I shared with her. And she was bothered by the fact that I did not address the concerns the way she had shared to me in, in our meeting. And it was my thought that when I told her that I handled these things already, they were being addressed. Um, she didn't say that her, her ideas were mandates. They were just suggestions. And that's how I received them. And so, um, so I was totally thrown off guard in this meeting because I was being asked to, um, you know, uh, remember things that were discussed three months prior and I had no notes on me, nothing with me to kind of go back and look at. I'm going off of total memory and I was obviously upset, you know, nervous. So of course things weren't coming to me, uh, except my emotions. <laughs> so, um, so I clearly asked, you know, why, why are we doing it this way? You know, um, why didn't you give me a heads up? I could have brought my notes, my materials with me to, to answer your questions, you know, um, you know, more, more thoroughly, you know, and, um, she kept giving me the whole thing that, oh, it's okay. You know, you're not in trouble kind of stuff. I'm like, well, this is not, I'm not getting that energy, you know, from the room. <laughs> yeah. Feels you a little know? different with the district attorney here. Yeah. Yeah. You got the attorney here taking notes and stuff. I'm like, I don't, I'm not getting that energy that it's not a bad thing. So, um, eventually the meeting ends and, um, I was given a summary letter um, that basically summed up the meeting and told me uh, my next steps, what I needed to do moving forward. So I had to basically write up a report on how I would address issues like that in the future and then submit a copy to her and the superintendent. Um, so I, I did all of that, you know, to appease everyone in the room. Um, but I was really hurt by that meeting. I was really hurt. And I walked out of that meeting feeling like, man, I'm a first year principal. And I feel like I can't trust anyone in that room. Yeah. You know? And that was the that was the, the main feeling I felt was lack of trust. And I said, if I can't go to my direct supervisor, who I thought had my back and was really supporting me, then who do I go to? Who do I who do I talk to? You know, who can I reach out to? Um, so that was the main feeling. So that feeling of distrust and hurt um is what led me to the idea of this business, True Vine Consulting, because for me, I wanted to help others 
by providing a safe space to grow, you know, and I didn't have that safe space to grow as, as a new leader at that time. And I know there are many other leaders out there because even after my incident occurred, I talked to other principals to ask them if they had similar stories. And to my surprise at the time, many of them do, did then and do now. Yeah. They don't know who to talk to. And what I've learned even in my research is that oftentimes um, principals or leaders in general, the main reason why they work in silos is because of lack of trust. Yeah, man. What a why. A why and a story together. I love that because we love whys and we love stories. So, yeah. and you, you kind of had me because the first part of your story, you're like, oh, you're getting with your supervisor and you're like planning out, you're visioning for the Lord. It's like, yeah, I'm good with that. And then it yeah. definitely took a turn, right? It's like, yes. wait a minute. Yes. And yes. and we get this with leaders. This is why coaching so important, isn't it? Is that as a leader, you have new ideas. You can't just blurt those out at a faculty meeting and share them with the staff and say, what do you think? Right. Cause you can't take that back. Like once you say it, like it's out there, you can't even, mm-hmm. and, and our visionary leaders listening, they know this, like not even your assistant principal, like you want them, you want to collaborate, but there's still some ideas that mm-hmm. don't quite fit. And then like you said, the supervisor, maybe not too now. So there's that silo. I phrase it like this. I phrase it as the, the loneliness of leadership. Right. Once yes. you do that, right? I can't tell you, I can't tell you. And now, like you said, you're, you're talking to your wife about this, who's, you know, maybe not in education, not reading all the oh, books. Sorry. You know, it's not fair to her either. And my wife mm-hmm. can attest to that too, I'm sure. Right. So, mm-hmm. so let's talk about your niche a little bit, because this, your expertise is an interesting place. I think of, we've, mm-hmm. we know we've got some organizations that say, hey, you're a, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you want to be a principal. Let's support you aspiring leaders. We want to be there. And then if you've been a principal for 10 years, like you've probably figured it out, you're probably going to make it right. We'd still need some coaching to thrive, but you're kind of talking about these like year one to year four leaders. Like why do we need yes. to talk about that group specifically? Well, the first few years of, of, of a leader's career are the most crucial, you know, um, and, and most states that have tenure, I know in New York state where I'm from, um, the tenure track was four, was four years before you gain tenure. And so within that four-year track, um, if a school feels that you're not a good fit, you know, they can cut you loose, you know? And so then you got that stress of a leader, like, man, I gotta, I gotta make this work, you know, to get tenure, you know, so there's that pressure. So again, they don't want to seem incompetent. So they're not asking a ton of questions. They don't want to, you know, they're not showing their vulnerabilities in those first few years because they're worried about not getting tenure and, 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 and seeming like a liability to that district that they're working for. So, um, so I, I target, I target new leaders because they're the ones that really, really need the most support. I think all leaders can benefit from coaching, whether you're in your first year or your 10th year, you know, so I'm not, I'm not against veterans, but really the first year, those are the crucial years because they, they, they tell the story of how your career is going to go down the road, you know? If you, yeah. if you don't feel supported the first few years and you're timid um, to ask questions, you're just, it, it's, you're prepping the stage to become on a, to, to, to become an individual working on a silo. You know? Yeah. Well, it's, so, it's so good. You, you need a term for that one to four year, right? Because yeah. it, it is such a, it's such an integral part and kind of in your, what you just kind of laid out is if you're looking at tenure, then you're doing whatever you can the first four years, right? To get to that fifth year, which means. You're working on the weekends, you're working at night or, and it's like, 
if that works for you, then that's what you're going to continue to do. And that's why I've got to work with leaders then to say, hey, let's pull back the hours on the weekend. Let's put like your life has to be sustainable mm-hmm. on both yes. sides of the desk, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, do it. Do it. Go. Yeah. So I just read some data um, a, a day or so ago, and it said that 34% of principals leave within one to two years. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's within my demographic, you know, and then, and then, and, and I think back in 2022, so this last year, um, the uh, NASSP, the National Association for Secondary School Principals, um, had some data that said just under 40% of school leaders um, say they're leaving within the next couple of years, you know, and one of the, one of the main reasons um, for leaving is well-being, their general well-being. You know their mental mental health of the job, lack of support. You know, so all those things play a big role. Where you have these leaders who are, you know, carrying these heavy loads on their shoulders of their building. They're being everything to their staff, everything to their students. You know, I've lived that life, and everyone turns to them, but who do they turn to when they have when they need support, when they need a shoulder to lean on? You know, and, and usually, most districts are not designed to support leaders the way they need to be supported, you know, because as leaders, we have internal struggles, internal, um, you know, things that are really impacting our leadership. And we don't always talk about those in public. You know, we wear masks, you know, in public. We you want to be that well-positioned leader that can go through anything and handle it all in public, but in private, we're struggling. Yeah. Well, I, and just to, just to, push on that bruise right there is like, and, and I'll say this to anybody, entrepreneurs, business leaders, education, like the principal job is one of the hardest jobs in, in the country, literally, because you've got so many direct reports. If you're a middle school principal, you know, you've got 40 direct reports from some, from the custodian to, you know, a teacher that has a doctorate. Like yeah. that's it. There, there's nobody else that has that. Like at, at Dell, at Apple, like nobody has that many direct reports. So it's, it's a hard job. And what hap- What I what I see happen, Andre, and you can, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tee this one up for you here in a second, because they don't. Say, we'll say, hey, what about coaching? I'll say, well, you know, I'm gonna invest that money in my people. But and, and I'll, I said, what about coaching? That's investing in your people, right? If you're investing in the person at the top, right, that's leading, yes. then you're investing in everybody <clears throat> that Absolutely. that's in that organization. And we see, here I'm gonna tee this up for you because we see a lot of professional development teachers. And you should, and I do, we do a lot of that at Magnify Learning, right? But we also look at the principles. Why do you think we don't see as much principal PD out there or leadership training? Yeah, oftentimes principals are overlooked because again, they're seen as the instructional leaders of mm-hmm. the building. So there's the there's the, the misconception that, you know, they have all the answers. So let's focus on the teachers and and again, that's that's great. The teachers, whatever we can give teachers, let's give it to them. They deserve it. They need all the support they can get. And I, I, I'm never, I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of teachers and PD. Um, but oftentimes, the principals, we get the PD that we get is typically whatever the teachers are getting. You know, we're asked to either nice. kind of sit, sit in with the teachers and get what you can get from that, um, or if we, if, if it's in the budget for us to go to a conference, you know, in the summer. You know, um, you know, uh, off year, you're going to hear topics like vision casting, you know, um, discipline, classroom management, um, 
you know, all the, I mean, those are some of the hot topics that you're going to hear, um, enhancing, you know, instruction, you know, all of that. Those are the hot topics and those are all great topics and necessary, but there's three, there's surface, those are surface level things, items, you know, until you have something that's going to allow the leader to, to dig deep into what's going on internally, you know, I can, I'm good enough as a principal or when I was a principal that I can play the role. I can put the game face on, you know, I yeah. mean, I, I ran a pretty successful school. We had a 97% graduation rate, you know, in my school, one of the top schools in, in, the, in the, the Western region of uh, New York state. We had a very, very good school that I, that I ran high school that I ran for a number of years. And I could easily slide in there and you look at my numbers, everything's great, but no one knew except outside of my wife and a couple of key colleagues of mine mm-hmm. knew what I was going through as, as a young principal, the, the challenges, the fears, the internal pressures, you know, all those different things that were going on internally for me. And the PD that I went to, the conferences I went to, they were great, but they really didn't tap into what I was going through as a leader, you know, and that's, that's the part that gets overlooked in conferences. They're not designed to really dig deep um, and to really, really, you know, get into the, the, the deep level issues that we struggle with. Yeah, that's, that's so good. I, I like your definition too. Like I'm not against conferences. That's just not what they're designed to do. Right. Oh. Which just, and we do coach like a magnify learning. Every workshop we do, you have to do mandatory coaching with your teachers because we've right. seen the difference. Like you need coaching when you're in the moment. Right. Oh. So I think that's what leadership does on leadership coaching does for our principals, right? And you work with principals, assistant superintendents, superintendents, and even that like first en- entrance of their career. So, uh, but what I notice sometimes is like coaching's super popular in the business world. Sometimes in education, we don't see that leadership coaching as something that's a norm yet. And I hope that's yeah. a yet. So can you just give our audience like what is leadership coaching and maybe a success story that you've had? Sure, sure. Well, first, I, I want to just kind of probably focus on the stigma that you kind of referenced oh, to. Yeah, good. Okay. So there's, yeah, there is the stigma um, within the education world that um, oftentimes when I meet with educators in public, and I tell them what I do. Um, they say, "Oh, you work with the bad principles." Oh um, no! And, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, that's yeah, and, and that's that's not what it is at all. No. I work with I work with good leaders who have who have come to the realization, um, that in order to become great leaders, yep. um, they need someone to connect with who is going to um, you know push them, encourage them, and help pull out you know the greatness that's within them. That's what I do. Yeah, and I work with. And I work with great leaders who want to become even better in what they do because they realize that there are still some things in their leadership that need to be addressed and they need they need a good coach to come in and help pull those things out so they can become even more successful. And I'm just I'm gonna, for their schools. Yeah. I mean, I'm, Michael Jordan had a coach, right? Like in fact, no. Michael Jordan had three coaches, right? Yes. Like he had a strength coach, he had a mindset coach, he had Bill mm-hmm. Jackson, right? He's like yes. he's the best, right? And he yeah. had coaches because you saw the value of those coaches. Yes. Yes. True. I mean, you also, you reference, you know, um, CEOs. I mean, I mean, the, the corporate world for decades have tapped into this, you know, That's right. they, they, they invest in their leaders because they know that they invest in their leaders. It's going to have a, a positive impact on the corporation as a whole, you know? Mm-hmm. So they, they, they tapped into that. The, as you, as you mentioned, the sports world, you know, every, 
every top athlete, you know, whether it be football, basketball, NFL, hockey, soccer, they all have coaches they work with on the off seasons, you know, and that, and that coach's job is to figure out, okay, we saw your tape from last season. Um, here are the things you got to work on. If you're a quarterback, you know what you got to, you got to work on your, your, your hip motion when you throw on the football. You know, you got to make sure if your hips are aligned the right way, you will throw a tighter spiral and a more accurate pass. So we're going to focus on that this summer to get you ready for training camp. That's what they do. They pinpoint the issue and they work on it through repetition. You know, we're the same way. We do the same thing. We offer supports. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's why I love your work. So I wanted you to be on the podcast because it's so important that, um, honestly, I didn't know there was a stigma about it out there. But we've got to crush that because we've. Yes. You you I know there are some companies where you can't be the CEO unless you agree to be coached because mm-hmm. like it's just a standard support structure. So, uh, <clears throat> so I think where where we want folks to go is like it's not a crutch, but it'll take you from good to great, yes. right? And it's it's an investment in and we have a lot of humble visionary leaders like that listen to the podcast and. We talk about coaching. They say, well, I can't take my PD money away from my people. But it's like, you're not doing that, right? Like when you invest in yourself, you're investing in your people. So how do we, can you kind of walk us through what coaching would look like though? Can you give us a peek into that for our listeners that haven't done it? Because if it is an unknown, like I understand that you might not invest in that. So how can we kind of shed some light on that? What what would a coaching relationship look like if you're coaching a person? Sure. Well, first, if, if I'm a principal and, and you're hearing this podcast and, and you're interested in, in getting a coach, you know, the first thing I would do, uh, because really this is investing in yourself, you know, oftentimes as principals, we invest in others all day, you know, yes. as part of our job is to invest in others, to give others our time, our heart, our attention. Now it's time to invest in yourself as a leader, you know? So the first thing I would do if you're working within a school district um, I would go to your district office, um, maybe your HR department, maybe your professional development director, you know, and ask them, you know, is there funding um, available? Because there's things like the ESSER, ESSER funds. Um, there, there's federal funding out there uh, that's available to all school districts. And a lot of them, you know, use it for PD or coaching. You know, I, I've worked with districts that actually have, they use ESSER funds or other funds coming in um, to help pay for these things for their leaders. So I, I would I would start start there and ask, hey, you know, is there anything available for me as a leader where you know you could better help benefit me um, through coaching? I mean, can is, is there a pocket of money that that you can invest in me as your leader? You know, and, and see what they say. Um, sometimes you, you might you might you get maybe get a yes, you might get a no. Um, if you get a no from your district, now now the ball's in your court. Is so what are you willing to do? yourself if your district is not able to provide um are you willing to take that step to find out okay um it may have to come out of my own pocket but what's the call at what cost for that the peace of mind that i need right now i I talked to a principal so i went to a leadership conference um about two months ago um here in charlotte north carolina where i live and um i sat down at, at, at a table with um a superintendent from a, from a local district just random. He just randomly sat down, you know, next to me and we had small talk and, you know, we're about the same age. We both taught, we, we were teachers. We both taught history. So we had that in common. We talked about the classroom, becoming principals, all of that. And 
he said, and I asked him, I said, so why are you a superintendent now? That was that always your goal to move up the ladder? He said, actually, um, no, it wasn't at all. He said, I actually, if I could, I'd still be a principal right now because I got into the, I got into education because I love to work with the children. And now I barely see them. I'm with, I'm with all adults, you know, in an office yeah. building. I said, well, I said, well, why'd you shift to superintendency then? He said, because um, I gave my all to the principalship and I wore many hats and it wore me out. He said, I loved it, but I barely saw my family. Um, I was hardly ever home. Um, it caused a lot of issues personally. And he said that if I had someone in my corner to show me how to better prioritize my time and and manage it better and this and that, then I, I'd probably still be a principal right now. Mm. But now I'm a superintendent and I'm fine, but I'm not in my happy spot. And he mm. was completely open with me, you know, within a 10 minute conversation. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you know, like, wow. So imagine if he had someone in his place, in his corner to support him as a principal He'd probably still be in that role thriving right now, you know, fighting the t- with his family and still and still build up build a school. So I encourage leaders that if, if you if you can't get the money from your district to support you in that, then you've got to make a decision for yourself. You know, um, you know, is it worth it, you know, to 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 come out of the rut that I'm probably in right now to make this investment? We invest in other things. We invest in stocks, we invest in Bitcoin, we right. spend money on all different kinds of things, you know, real estate. It's time to invest in yourself. Yeah. And I and I invest in all those things because mm-hmm. I want return in the future. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I do invest in all those things. Like I'm not making that up as a theoretical because I want it's best in the future. And yeah. you know what? I was thinking about the stigma piece. Like, so I also just want to talk like I have a coach. Like I personally have a leadership coach. I'm also part of a mastermind. Mm-hmm. I believe in those things. Like we have those back by learning too. Like we have masterminds where you can get with other principals. Um, <laughs> when I when I work with with principals and leaders, it's like the first thing we do is like, what's your weekend time look like, right? And then and we start to look at um, how much are you sleeping, how much are you moving, mm-hmm. right? Like all these things that yeah. I don't even need to talk about education with you yet, right? Because because if you're not doing these other things, it's your work suffering at work. So Absolutely. you know. I believe in those things. I I have I invest in those things in myself, um, so I have no problem asking other folks to invest. Like I've seen the benefit. My wife has seen the benefit. Like she won't let me not have a coach. <laughs> I don't know if you've gotten to that point, but like the coach is always going to be in the budget because I'm a better yeah. person and a better leader at work and at home. So yeah. So Andre, let me let's. I think we've hopefully we've painted the picture well, and yeah. our visionary leaders like we want to be innovators for a long time. Like we don't want to innovate for three years and go do something else. We want to do it for the long haul. So just like a marathon, you don't start out with a sprint. Like what are, what's some advice you have for leaders that want to be innovating for the long haul, not just a spark? So the first thing I would say is, uh, again, get a coach. That's, that's, that's the first step. Um, as you mentioned yourself that you have, you have a coach. I, I too have, I have two coaches that I work with. Um, I, I also am involved, um, um, also in a group of a meeting um, with um, with several other leaders, um, we get together twice a month and talk about not just our businesses, but we talk about family, you know, yep. uh, all of that. And, and it's the mastermind is awesome. I mean, if you can get to a mastermind, I encourage anyone out there. It's, it's fabulous, um, fab, great experience. 
And the thing is too, just before I answer your question, I just wanted to share with you just kind of my story of how coaching has helped me. You know, I, again, I wish I had a coach as a principal. I wish I knew what I know now when I was a principal. Um, because now that I have a coach, it's it's allowed me to really target some of the things that I struggled with when I was a school leader and that I still struggle with as a currently as a leader and now as an entrepreneur. And in, in the in the last few months, I can say that I I've seen the benefits tremendously um with my business. You know, um again, when I went to that conference, went to that conference a few months ago, the old me is you know, I can be very shy, um, you know, kind of like, a, you know, when I, when I go to a conference with a thousand people, I take my laptop, I sit in the back corner and I take notes. I don't really engage with anyone. You know, my coaches told me when you get there, you got to let them know you're there, you know, and go in and, and yeah. people converse with people, talk about your business, network, all of that. Um, for me, that's that was getting outside of my comfort zone because naturally I'm an introvert. You know, so I had to go in. I spoke affirmations in the car, driving up to the to the conference room, just just encouraging myself. And when I walked into that room, that that, that huge conference room, um, the first struggle for me was okay, find a place to sit. There's hundreds of people here. I don't know, you don't know any of them, um, but you got to sit next to somebody and spark up a conversation at random. And that's how I met the superintendent. I just saw a table, an empty empty chair. Walked up to him, introduced myself, and went from there. And after every breakout session that I that I attended, I made sure that in those sessions, I raised my hand and either asked a question or I shared my my my, my expertise in a certain area. So the presenters and everywhere in that room heard my voice and saw my face. After each session, I went to the presenters and thanked them for presenting and gave them my card. And we had conversations afterwards. And I linked up with them the very next day, you know, through email. And for me, that was that was my game plan, you know. And I went beyond, you know, what I normally would have done in the past. But I walked in there with confidence because of the two coaches that I work with on a weekly basis. They helped me, you know. Um, they helped bring that out of me. It was always there, yeah. But they helped me deep and helped bring that up. So, so I'm excited for what my future looks like because I can see. It, it's so much brighter now because yeah. those fears that I allowed to cripple me in the past, I now see myself, I see a brighter future. That's so good. And visionary leader, if, if as you're listening to this, um, I just want you to hear the passion around coaching and masterminds um, and, and ask others, ask other people. Like, and you're probably like, yeah, I hear other people talk about that a lot. I don't know of a whole lot of people that don't get fired up once they get into coaching because it's such a lift personally. Um, and if you're not into the the soft, fluffy stuff and the feelings, like you just heard Andre talk about like it, there are very systematic growth opportunities for him that came out of the coaching. Right. And so we need both, like you need both. You need to figure out your why and, and get into those pieces. But hopefully, hopefully we're getting, getting this where leadership, coaching, masterminds are a piece of education. It's a normal thing. Because it should be, it helps us become excellent. Now, Andre, we're going to put your contact info in the show notes. Uh, so if anybody's got any questions, they can reach out to you. You also do, like we've talked about, you do one-on-one leadership coaching. Uh, you yes. do some crisis management piece too, which is yes. pretty interesting yes. to me. Like crisis management coaching, that's that's not one that I do. I don't think, right? Like that's 
that's not can you talk to that one for just a second so one thing as, as as school leaders i mean um we we deal with crisis on a regular basis you know it could be anything from you know um a fight in the cafeteria you know to a bomb threat to um unfortunate i hate to say this but sometimes we deal with you know deaths you know um, either a, of a staff member a student or whatever it may be um i mean the most recent crisis we all experienced was COVID. you know uh, really handling that and we're still dealing with the aftermath from that you know so there there's a lot of cases where schools every school in the country handles dealing with crisis on a regular basis and not every school is positioned to handle that crisis in the best way because sometimes sometimes it it takes a crisis to prepare for the next one you know and because everyone hasn't had maybe had a you know a certain level of crisis there's probably nothing in writing to prepare for it or the current plan is out of date you know it's not it doesn't tie into the current times um you gotta t- you gotta pull out and dust it off to even read it you know it's so old right so there's a lot of schools out there that have outdated um crisis management plans and so one of the things that i do is i, I go in and i work with um the crisis management teams that that most schools have it could be the principal assistant principal uh uh, a school counselor, um, social worker, but I'll go and I'll meet with that team and we'll go through what they currently have in place and we'll go and we'll work together to, to, um, to either rebuff it to, or, or redo their plan, their current plan. They could be currently in a crisis. Sure. And they're saying, man, I mean, we've got, this is a PR nightmare. You know, we've got our families are going to board meetings and, and going off and all this chaos is going on. What do we do? We have a crisis going on right now. I can come in, you know, and offer supports to the school board on what to say, what not to say in a, in a public forum, you know, all of that, because a lot of it I've experienced as a principal. Um, unfortunately in my first year, I think I had a bomb threat, a gas leak, um, and a few other things. My first, I had a power outage (laughs) in the middle of the school day, you know, in my first year, which is kind of crazy. I can write a book on that stuff, but, um, but I had to, figure out ways on how to get through that successfully and make sure that all of our parents were, were, were notified appropriately. The right language was used in the emails, all of that. You have to think about, um, when you have a crisis, communication is key, all that's done. So I work with those leadership teams and making sure that everything top to bottom is, is thought of and planned for, for the future. Yeah. And if, if you're listening regularly, visionary leader, you know, just last week, we had Kim Hamer on, and Kim talked about, you know, what do you do when a staff member has cancer or a, one of their loved ones has cancer? Like, there there are right and wrong things to say, right? And we talked about, we gave you some feedback, gave you some really, like, practical steps for that. And Andre is doing the same thing here now, right? It's like, when, when you have that very specific piece that Kim can walk you through, Andre is going to be the one that you bounce the ideas off of. Like, hey, here's what I'm thinking about telling my staff. Right. And you need to say that out loud, but you don't let it be the first time you say those words out loud is to your staff. Right. Like that's one of the great yeah. things a leadership coach can do is just, all right, you're going to have to say something. What are you going to say? And then literally walk through it. And then because you don't want to stumble, you don't want to say the wrong thing. So Absolutely. What, a, what a great service, Andre. I appreciate that value. And yes. you, as you're listening, like that's part of the podcast is uh, 
if I, if I don't have it, like that's not a skill set I have, I'm going to bring somebody on that does, right? Like I'm okay. Like knowing that's not my expertise, but let me bring somebody on that, that does have that. Andre, thanks for coming in and just adding so much value to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ryan. This is all, this was awesome. All right. Visionary leaders, uh, you need a leadership coach. Hopefully you got that, that message. If you've got questions, like seriously, you can reach out to Andre. He'll talk to you about it. And he's not going to hard sell you. He's going to tell you if it's a good idea for you. I'm happy to do the same thing, but you need to talk to somebody about that. You need somebody that you can bounce ideas off of. Somebody that's going to push you. Um, somebody that's outside of your sphere that you're leading. It's a really important piece for you. So um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're a visionary leader, would you share this one specifically? Because this is such a leadership um, void in education. Like we need more coaches. We need people in more masterminds supporting the work because it's not easy, but it's, re- it's insanely important to the work and to the world. And as you do this, as you up your leadership game, you're going to engage your learners, tackle boredom, and transform your classrooms. So go lead inspired. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the PBL Simplified Podcast. I appreciate you. I'm honored that you tune in each week. Would you please take two minutes to leave a rating and a review? When you leave a review, it lets the next person know that this is a podcast worth listening to. When they go into their player and search project-based learning and PBL Simplified popped up, when they see those reviews, they know that high-quality visionary leaders are listening. So they tune in too, and they can find their way into the PBL journey. Thank you so much for leaving a review. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you.